0: Lord willing, I want to begin tonight by discussing the fact that the prophets were such great communicators. Uh, When I am studying sometimes and I want to realize what kind of things I ought to preach on, I study from the prophets. They address the kind of difficulties that we're facing in our society today. You think about people, for instance, who are becoming very lax in their faithfulness to the Lord you read the book of Malachi, and he addresses those kind of situations. When you get down on yourself and you start saying, maybe I'm not effective, maybe I'm not accomplishing anything, then I go to the book of Jeremiah because he's one of my personal favorites because he was a prophet with a passion for people. He really cared about the people to whom God had sent him. And chapter 20 and verse 9 is a very familiar text, and it has such a powerful lesson in it. I have outlined chapter 20 about 20 times, and the one that I ended up with is simply this. He was picked for the task, he was persecuted for the truth, and he was passionate for the tribe and talking about the tribe of Judah. Let's begin by looking at the fact that God picked him for this task. And if I were going to talk about picking someone, let's say, for instance, here in this congregation, we need somebody to lead singing. Maybe we've got a, an event coming up and, and I want somebody to lead singing. I know there's several people to whom I could go and say, would you do this? Or maybe, for instance, it's something that is more of a physical nature. I need some uh, uh, things that are very heavy moved. I might go to some of the younger guys with stout backs and say, can you do this and choose you for this? Well, God chose Jeremiah for this very important task. If You go back to chapter 1 and you look at verses 4 and following. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you... I and the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I sanctified you and ordained you a prophet to the nations. And then said I, Ah, Lord God, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces. For I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set this day, set you over the nations and over kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and throw down, to build and plant. Now, one of the things that you observe is that God chose Jeremiah before he was ever born. Before Jeremiah was ever birthed and saw light, God had appointed him as a prophet to the nations. That's how early God had chosen him. And then he begins to say, Lord, you need to choose somebody else. I'm too young to do the job. I'm just a youth. And God responded to his excuse by saying, I'm sorry, your excuse is not accepted. It's still your job. I picked you for the task. You know, Moses tried much the same thing in Exodus chapter 3 in verse 11. Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Lord, you have chosen the wrong one. I am not the person to do the job. And he begins to offer excuse after excuse after excuse to get to chapter 4 and verse 13 where he says, Oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. Just choose somebody else, not me. And God rebuked Moses for his making excuses. When God chooses you, it's your job and God expects you to do that. And thus God provided for him the message. He said, he touched my mouth and he said, I'm putting my words into your mouth. And that's essentially what a prophet is expected to do. He's not expected to preach his own message. He is a deliverer of God's truth to men. And then he had the task assigned. I'm going to send you some people that are hard headed, Jeremiah. I don't want you to be afraid of their faces. You know, when I think about faces, I often think about when I was first preaching at the Bethel Church of Christ in Vernon, Alabama. And I remember some of my friends sitting on the back seat making faces at me. They wanted to see if they could get me tickled. They wanted to see if they could get me uh, shaken up. Uh, One of them would even do this all the way through the service. And uh, that wasn't too bad. But I want you to imagine when you know that somebody's mad. And you know that they're angry at what you're saying. And Jeremiah has been chosen for this task. And the Lord's telling him, don't worry, I'm going to be with you. And I am going to deliver you. Now when God chooses someone, they have the responsibility to obey it's here that you could simply start going through the Bible. I just want to draw attention to a couple. You think about Jonah. You remember how God called Jonah to go to the Ninevites and tell them to repent or they were going to be overthrown? Jonah did not like that task. He knew that God was a merciful and kind God. And thus, instead of going the direction God told him to go, he went the opposite direction. Got on a ship. And you remember about the great fish swallowing Jonah. Jonah. In chapter 3, verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, preach to it the message that I tell you. Jonah, failure is not an option. Shirking your duty is not an option. That's a job I have given you to do. As a New Testament example, there are several passages which talk about God choosing Paul to carry the gospel to the Gentiles. We could look at what he told Ananias in chapter 9, but I want to draw attention to chapter 22, verses 14 through 16. And then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know His will and see the just one and hear the voice of His mouth, for you will be His witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So often when I quote verse 16, I do not quote verses 14 and 15. But I want you to notice, God had chosen Paul to be his witness. But there's a problem. The problem is, Paul's not yet a Christian. Why are you waiting God has chosen you. God has given you a job to do, but you've got to respond to it. And so why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and call on the name of the Lord. But where God has assigned, he's also provided. You go to 2 Peter 1 and verse 3, and he says, His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and virtue. The idea is that where God has given us responsibility, He's given us ability to fulfill that. And Paul would put it like this to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1 verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. That word, enabled. God has given the ability to do the job. So the first thing is, is that he was picked for the task. And it's a daunting task that's been put before him. That leads me to chapter 20. And I do want you to open your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 20. We're going to notice a few of these verses in this context. In chapter 20, you look at verses 1 and 2. Now, Pasher, the son of Emmer, the priest who was also chief governor in the house of the Lord, heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things. Then Pasher struck Jeremiah the prophet and put him in the stocks that were in the high gate of Benjamin, which is by the house of the Lord. Now, before I actually look at what he's done, I want you to look who this is. We're not talking about someone without uh, a place of prominence. Pasher, it says, was the priest. But then it says that he was the chief governor. He was the chief overseer of the house of the Lord. He determined who went in, who went out. He determined who spoke and who did not speak. And here is Jeremiah who is delivering a message And he doesn't like the message. So what does he do? He has Jeremiah struck. He hits him physically. You talk about abuse physically. You know, I have had people very angry at me before, but I've never had anybody hit me yet. And I say yet because I don't know what may happen. But then he also humiliated him by putting him in the stocks which is this upper gate. There's, there's people who are going to pass in there. And you want to see, here's Jeremiah. he is placed in stocks to be humiliated by everybody who passes by and seeing him. You see, Jeremiah is suffering because he's preaching the truth. Drop down with me now to verses 7 and 8. Well, Tim read these verses, but I want to draw attention to them. O oh Lord, you induced me, and I was persuaded You're stronger than I, and it prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocks me. For when I spoke, I cried out. I shouted violence and plunder because the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and a derision daily. Jeremiah says, I want you to look at me. He said, every time I speak, the people mock me. They make fun of me. In fact, when he cried out violence and plunder, which is what's going to happen to them, they started mocking him. Now, um, several years ago, I had a little cartoon that somebody gave me. And the preacher is up preaching. And he starts talking about the shepherd and all these people sitting in the pews start going, bad 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 And I thought, boy, that would be real disruptive. But I want you to imagine, here's Jeremiah preaching God's message and everything he's saying, they're mocking him. And he says, I'm in a derision daily. It's not just something that happens occasionally. Everybody's mocking him every day. And he's having to deal with it. Drop down with me to verse 10. For I heard many mocking, fear on every side. Report, they say, and we will report it. All my acquaintances watched for my stumbling, saying perhaps he can be induced. And then we will prevail against him. And we'll take our revenge on him. Think about what he said here. For I hear many mocking, fear on every side. You see, Jeremiah was telling the people that Babylon was going to come back. Here's what happened. Babylon came and threatened the city of Jerusalem. The army of Pharaoh marched up to uh, provide a little bit of respite for them. And uh, the army of the Babylonians backed off. And they were all like, yeah, 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 we told you. That's the way it's going to happen. But Jeremiah is saying, no, that's not what's going to happen. The army of Pharaoh or uh, the army of Nebuchadnezzar is going to come by. And this time he's going to take the city of Jerusalem. And they're mocking him. All fear on every side. Report. Give us what the report is. We'll report it. And then they're trying to find a way to catch him in what he is saying. He was mocked. He was laughed at. And even his familiar friends, that is the people who have known him all of his life, they're looking to take revenge on him. Back in chapter 11 and verse 21, we read, Therefore thus says the Lord concerning the men of Anathoth, who seek your life, saying, Do not prophesy in the name of the Lord, lest you die by our hand. The men of Anathoth were his hometown folks. You know, usually, if if you have a hometown boy and he goes off and and he makes a profit or he does something like it, people would want to be supportive of that. But these men here are looking for Jeremiah to die, to die by their hand. He was so despondent that he wishes that he had never been born. Drop down with me to verses 14 through 18 in this context. Cursed be the day in which I was born. Let the day not be blessed in which my mother bore me. Let the man be cursed who brought news to my father saying a male child has been born to you. Making him very glad. Skipping down to verse 17 now. Because he did not kill me from the womb. That my mother might have been my grave. And her womb always enlarged with me. Why did I come forth from the womb. To see labor and sorrow. That my days should be consumed with shame. Cursed be the day which I was born. You know there some who enjoy having a birthday and when they do, do, people come by and pat you on the back. They may joke with you, but really they're wishing you well and saying, I- I'm glad today's your birthday. I hope you have another one, maybe many more. But you see what's going on here. Jeremiah says, I wish I'd never been born. I wish I'd died at birth. That parallels what Job said. Job was a man who was suffering, and that's what's going on because he's been persecuted for the truth. But I don't want you to get the wrong idea about Jeremiah. I don't want you to come away with the idea that Jeremiah is somehow a man lacking in faith. Look with me at verses 11 through 13 in this context. But the Lord is with me as with a mighty awesome one. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and will not prevail. They will be greatly ashamed, for they will not prosper. Their everlasting confusion will never be forgotten. But, O Lord of hosts, you who test the righteous and see the mind and the heart, let me see your vengeance on them, for I have pleaded my cause before you. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he has delivered the life of the poor from the hand of evildoers. In the midst of all Jeremiah's persecution, he's saying, God, I can trust you. I know that you are deserving and worthy of praise. But you need to understand, Jeremiah suffered many, many, many times. I can't provide for them all, but let me just mention a few very quickly in passing. In chapter 15, verses 10 and 15... Woe is to me, my mother, that you have borne me a man of strife and a man of contention to the whole earth. I neither lent for interest nor have men lent to me for interest. Every one of them curses me. You know, I don't want to be despised. I don't suppose you do either. It hurts when people treat you as if they don't like you. And then verse 15, O Lord, you know, remember me and visit me and take vengeance for me on my persecutors in your enduring patience. Do not take me away. Know that for your sake I have suffered rebuke. Jeremiah is doing this not because he's a bad person. Jeremiah is suffering this because he's speaking God's message. Chapter 18. Verses 18 through 20. Then they said, Come and let us devise plans against Jeremiah. For the law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. Come and let us attack him with the tongue, and let us not give heed to any of his words. You think about what Jeremiah just said. Let's not listen to a word that he says. The last part of verse 20. Remember that I stood before you to speak good for them, to turn away your wrath for them. The very people that Jeremiah had gone before God and prayed for them are the ones who are digging a pit for him, who are trying to make his life miserable. Chapter 26 and verse 8. Now, it happened when Jeremiah had made an end of speaking all that the Lord had commanded him to speak to all the people that the priests and the prophets and the people seized him, saying, You will surely die. But you really understand how bad it gets when you get to chapters 37 and 38. Oh, it's so awful for Jeremiah. It says, Therefore, the princes were angry with Jeremiah, they struck him. And put him in the prison in the house of Jonathan the scribe. For they had made that the prison. Notice the physical abuse that he suffers here. Verse 20. Therefore please hear now O Lord the king. Please let my petition be accepted before you. And do not make me return to the house of Jonathan the scribe. Lest I die there. Jeremiah is pleading for his life. They throw me into this prison. If they leave me there I'm going to die there. Come to chapter 38. Therefore the princes said to the king, Please let this man be put to death. For thus he weakens the hands of the men of war who remain in the city and the hands of all the people speaking such words to them. For this man does not seek the welfare of the people but their harm. Then Zedekiah the king said, Look, he's in your hand for the king can do nothing against you. They're wanting Jeremiah dead. They're wanting him dead badly. Well, how bad does it happen? Look at verse 6. So they took Jeremiah, cast him into the dungeon of Malchijah, the king's son, which is in the court of the prison, and they let Jeremiah down with ropes. And in the dungeon there was no water but mire, and Jeremiah sank in the mire. Now, folks, stop with me for just a moment. I want you to see the picture. They don't just want Jeremiah dead. They want him to suffer a gruesome death of being in a stinking mud pit in a dungeon. We're talking about uh, what we would call a cellar today. And it has no water in it. It would have been a cistern. It's just got mud in it now. And they're going to let him down with ropes. You can't even get down there with steps. This is just dropping him in there. And he's going to just lay there or stand there until he dies starves to death. Verses 14 and 15. Then Zedekiah the king sent and had Jeremiah the prophet brought to him at the third entrance of the house of the Lord. And the king said to Jeremiah, I will ask you something. Hide nothing from me. Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, if I declare it to you, will you not surely put me to death? And if I give you advice, you will not listen to me. Here's Jeremiah who's been raised out of that miry pit. And he's asked to give a message that God has presented him with. And Jeremiah says, what am I going to do? If I tell you the truth, you're going to have me put to death. And if I give you good advice, you're not going to listen to me. Imagine being a speaker for God, a prophet for God. Imagine being a preacher. And you know what God's Word says, and you deliver it, and people say to you, I'm not going to listen to you, and in fact, I just soon put you to death. Well, there's some observations. It's often where God's messengers have had the most difficult challenges are in the Lord's house. We're talking about God's people in God's house. Now, let's recognize the fact sometimes we're the meanest people on earth. In Jeremiah chapter 5, verses 30 and 31, and an astonishing and a horrible thing has been committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, the priests bear rule by their own power, and my people love to have it so. But what will you do in the end? The corruption was from the top to the bottom. In Jeremiah's day. And Jeremiah had the people. They were glad that there was no sense of morality. But he said what will you do in the end? God's messengers have often faced physical and verbal abuse. While delivering a very unpopular message. But the truth must be taught. In Jeremiah chapter 26. Thus says the Lord. Stand in the court of the Lord's house speak to all the cities of Judah which come to worship in the Lord's house. All the words that I command you to speak to them do not diminish a word. Jeremiah, here's your job. I expect you in preaching the truth not to pull anything off of it. Everything I tell you to tell them, you must tell them. In Acts 20 verse 27, Paul did that meeting with the Ephesian elders, he said, For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. And Paul would tell Timothy, he said, The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap for themselves teachers, and they will turn away their ears from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Paul was saying, Timothy, it's going to be tough some days. But you've got to stay strong and you've got to preach the whole truth of God's word. Now the final part, passionate for the tribe. We're talking about the tribe of Judah. All the northern tribes have already gone into captivity. You're now left with the one tribe of God's people. In chapter 20 and verse 9, Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire. Shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back and I could not. Jeremiah was at time an unwilling tool in God's hands. That's That's a fact. An unwilling tool. That means that sometimes that when Jeremiah had to do a job, it wasn't fun to do it, but he had to do it anyway. Because God had placed that responsibility upon him. But the reason why he didn't want to do it was not because he didn't love God, but was because of the suffering that he was enduring. And yet God's word burned in his heart and was shut up in his bones. The burning of God's Word. I want you to go back with me to chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Indeed, their ears uncircumcised, and they cannot give heed, because the Word of the Lord is a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. Therefore, I am full of the fury of the Lord. I am weary of holding it in. I will pour it out on the children outside and on the assembly of young men together. For even the husband shall be taken with the wife to age with him who is full of days. He's talking about here, I am full of the fury of the Lord. You know, there's sometimes when you have to get up and you have to deliver a message and in delivering, you know it's not going to be popular. But if you respect God, you've got to deliver His message and so he's passionate about it but why is he so passionate it's because he could see the future of this sinful nation he knew where that pathway that they were following was going to lead in chapter 4 verse 19 oh my soul my soul i am pained at my very heart my heart makes noise within me i cannot hold my peace because you have heard, O oh, my soul, the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war. He said, I know what's coming. War is coming. Babylon is coming. And I don't want my people to suffer. Chapter 9. All oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. All oh, that I had in the wilderness a lodging place for travelers, that I might leave my people and go for them, for they are adulterers and an assembly of treacherous men. They don't know the Lord. He said, I'm weeping for these people. I'm crying for them because I know where their pathway is going to lead. Chapter 13, verse 17. But if you will not hear it, my soul will weep in secret for your pride. My eyes will weep bitterly and run down with tears because the Lord's flock. Has been taken captive. Chapter 23 verse 9. My heart in, within me is broken. Because of the prophets all my bones shake. I'm like a drunken man. And like a man in whom wine is overcome. Because of the Lord. And because of his holy words. Jeremiah knew what God said. Jeremiah knew what they were doing. And he was sad what's going to happen. He saw the people attempting to walk without the Lord's direction. Living a life of of lacking this. In chapter 10, he said the shepherds have become dull hearted. They've not sought the Lord. And he says in verse 23, Oh Lord, I know the way a man is not in himself. It is not a man who walks to direct his own steps. He would look and say, I want you to see something here. Here's what I want you to understand Man is not capable of directing his own life. And then he saw people who had become hardened in their sin. Chapter 6, verses 13 and following. Because from the least of them, even to the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. And from the prophet, even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. They've healed the hurt of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. Nor did they know how to blush. These people become so sinful, they didn't even know how to blush anymore. It's like society today. It's like the Super Bowl halftime show. Nobody seems to be upset about anything anymore. Everybody sees the immorality out there and everybody says, oh, well, that's normal. What is he telling them to do? You know, you've got to find a different path. Verse 16, thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see and Ask for the old paths, where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you'll find rest for your souls. They said, we won't walk in it. He's passionate for a group of people who had no care, no concern. We should be weeping for those who are choosing certain death. There are some of our people here who have decided in their own mind that they're going to follow the pathway of sin. How do you respond to those who are doing that? Do you do like Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 4 of Ezekiel? He said, go through the midst of the city and through the midst of Jerusalem and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and cry over the abominations done within it. Yes, we're supposed to be sad when our brethren sin. Ezekiel 6 verse 11, pound your fist and stamp your feet and say, alas for the evil abominations for the house of Israel. Oh yes, there's time to get upset and be passionate. In 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 8, talking about Lot, that righteous man dwelling among them, tormented his righteous soul from day to day, seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. You see... Ethics without God won't work. I don't have time to read all of Romans one twenty eight through 32. Three times he says God gave them up because they refused to have God in their knowledge and they committed things that God would not permit. Even religious people can become hardened in sinful choices. When Jesus came in Mark 6 and verse 34, he said he was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep. Not having a shepherd. The Lord saw the people wandering. And that's exactly the way Jeremiah is thinking. I see my people. I see the direction they're going. And they have no direction. What a great servant of the Lord was Jeremiah. The fire was in his heart. And in his bones was the word of God. Just trying to get out. Chapter 5 verse 14 Thus says the Lord God of hosts, because you speak this word, behold, I make my words in your mouth fire, and this people would, and it shall devour them. Chapter 23, verse 29. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks rocks in pieces. We need to be passionate about presenting God's word. I want to end with one passage of Scripture which should make us all think and shudder. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 11, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Knowing God's will and what will happen, just as certain as Jeremiah could know that Babylon was coming and that the destruction of the people was certain, I know what's going to happen when the Lord returns again. For many who are faithful, there will be a well-done, good and faithful servant. But for far too many, there will be, depart from me, you who work iniquity, you who work unrighteousness. Where are you going to be in that time? And what will be what the Lord says to you? We're going to sing the song, Hark the Gentle Voice. And if you're subject to the Lord's invitation, either to become a Christian by being baptized and then starting your service to the Lord, or if you want to come and be restored to faithfulness, we invite you to come as together we stand and sing.